Hello, I'm Andrew Womack, and welcome to our Healing University. This is sorry <laughs> technical challenge. The very first lesson in the very first section. Let me just real quickly say that you know I have been teaching on healing for decades, and I have seen great miracles in my own life and in the lives of other people. And healing is just something that is a integral part of Karis Bible College. And so I got together some of my instructors and we decided to have a healing university where I not only share the things that God has spoken unto me, but also with all of our instructors here have seen great miracles of healing in their lives. And so we are just taking the things that God has put in our heart and we are sharing them with you. There will be repetition because we're going to have many different speakers speaking. And of course, we will be saying some of the same things, but it'll be coming from our own perspective, our own personal experience. We'll be using different examples to make the point. And all together, I believe that collectively, we are going to have an impact on you that not a single one of us could have done by ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you that I think that this is going to be a powerful, powerful uh, set of materials that we give you. I really believe that if you go all the way through our healing university, if you open up your heart and if you receive what we have to say, I think it's going to be nearly impossible for you to stay sick, regardless of what's going on in your life. So that's just a brief introduction. I want to encourage you to just open up your heart and receive every single person We have handpicked every person that's going to be ministering to you. And I believe that together we are going to have a synergy effect on you that none of us could have just by ourselves. So welcome to Healing University and praise God. Get ready to be well. That's what we are going to be sharing with you. The very first thing that I want to share with you is that for you to really walk in healing, You've got to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that it is God's will for you to be well. And this is a big issue. There's a lot of people who believe that God can perform a miracle, but they aren't sure that that is his will. And when you add to the mix the fact that most religion today, and I'm not exaggerating when I say most, the majority of religion today will teach that God can heal or deliver or whatever it is, that God has the power, but they aren't sure that he wants to use it every single time. I'm going to be sharing some things with you today about how it is God's will for you to be well in every single situation. Now, this raises a lot of questions because many people were probably taught, as I was, that God only heals some people. Sometimes God actually wants you to be sick to learn something. Other people teach that God actually wills for you to be sick. It's his desire for you to be in this situation. And uh, I could spend probably an hour or two ministering on every one of those things. I'm going to deal with some of this, but again, this is in somewhat of an abbreviated form. And so I just encourage you to take these things maybe as just a, a skeleton, like a framework, and you can fill in the details as we go along. But let me start with this verse over here in 1 John chapter 5 and in verse 14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. 
And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So this is saying that receiving from God is absolutely dependent upon you knowing that you have asked according to his will. And this is where so many people miss it with healing. They say, God, I know that you can heal me, but would you heal me? I'm asking you to heal me. Even though that may be a good desire, that is not the correct approach towards healing. Let me, let me make a comparison for you here. When it comes to forgiveness of sins, I would imagine that the majority of people who are watching this have already asked the Lord and received your salvation. But let me just say that if you had just prayed and said, Oh God, if it's your will, save me. I dare to say that you probably wouldn't have been healed. You wouldn't have been uh, forgiven or you wouldn't have believed that you were forgiven. Because if you just left it up to, oh God, if it's your will, forgive me. Well, then you would have had to have depended upon like a flash of light, an audible voice, some supernatural feeling or something to believe that, you know, it was God's will for you to be saved. And here would be the devil right in your ear telling you that, no, you're too bad. He's not going to forgive you. And he would have talked many of you out of it. But see, forgiveness of sins isn't presented that way. Forgiveness of sins is presented as Jesus has already died for your sins. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that He is the propitiation. And that word propitiation means the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Did you know Jesus has already died for the sins of the entire world? You don't have to go to God and say, God, if it's your will... Save me. And if you approached him that way, most of you would have been talked out of receiving salvation because you wouldn't have been confident that it was his will. But instead, forgiveness of sins is presented as something that has already taken place. Jesus has already made the payment. You don't have to ask God to come and forgive you. 2,000 years ago, he died for your forgiveness of sins. And it's just a matter of are you going to receive what Jesus provided for you, or are you going to sit there and just continue to ask and hope that somehow or another he'll save you? No, you got to believe, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And it goes on to say, for everyone that asks believes. It says that with our mouth confession is made and... He is faithful and just to forgive us. And you have to believe that it's done and just reach out and take it. You know, when I was a kid, in um, eight, I was eight years old. I remember this because this is just before I personally got born again. And this is an illustration that was used to help me receive salvation. But I was in a Baptist church. We were going to a uh, vacation Bible school. And there was about 600 kids in this vacation Bible school. Normally, my family sat on the front row right down here at the, you know, in the front of the church. We, we were like skunks. We had our own pew that we sat in. And, I mean, I was always at the front. But because this was a vacation Bible school, I was in a class. And they mar marched us in according to our classes. And they had me sitting at the very back of this auditorium with 600 kids in there. And so I never will forget that this man took out a dollar bill and he held this dollar bill up. You know, this would be like holding up a $20 bill today. But it was a dollar bill. 
And he says, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And I mean, instantly, there was 20 or 30 kids just all around him saying, I want it, I want it. And I thought of all times to be sitting at the back of the auditorium. This was the worst time. But instead of this guy just giving it to people, he kept his hand in the air and he says, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And he just kept saying that over and over. And everybody was wondering, what are you doing? Because everybody wants it. But he kept saying this, and finally it hit my lightning flat fast mind what he was saying. And I got out from the back of the auditorium, ran all the way down the aisle. I pushed my way through those other kids, and he had his arm up in the air like this, and I grabbed his arm and climbed up his side, and I grabbed that dollar bill out of his hand. And he turned and he said, every one of you wanted this, but only one took it. And he used that to illustrate that Jesus has provided salvation, but you don't just ask for it. You have to take it. You have to believe that it has been provided, and you have to reach out and take it. And I use that because it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. That means the same way that you receive salvation is the same way that you receive healing or prosperity or deliverance or joy or peace or whatever. The same way that you got saved is the same way that you receive everything else from the Lord. And so you didn't have to just pray and say, oh God, would you come save me? He's already come. He's already died. Now it is available to whosoever will and you have to reach out and take it. It's the same thing with healing. If you approach healing saying, oh God, I know you can heal, would you heal me? You will not see healing manifest in your body any more than if you were to say, God, if you will, save me. No, you have to believe for it. And see, this is what these verses say, that this is the confidence that if we ask according to his will, right there, a lot of people say, well, we just aren't sure that it's God's will to heal every single person. And let me put in a little parenthesis. I'm going to deal with this more as I go on through this series and talk about it. But let me just say that there's a lot of people right here that the reason they aren't sure that it's God's will to heal every person isn't because they found that in the word. It's because they look at circumstances. And most people believe what their experiences tell them more than what the word of God tells them. Most people interpret the Word of God based on their experiences. But we're supposed to interpret our experiences based on the Word of God. Exactly opposite what most people do. So most people look around and because there's so many people who pray for healing but never see it manifest, then most people just say it couldn't be God's will for every person to be healed. And I'm going to be sharing lots of scriptures with you. As we go through Healing University, we are going to share hundreds, maybe possibly thousands of of scriptures explaining it is God's will, explaining why you don't always see every person heal. There's multiple reasons behind this. Sometimes it's a process. We're going to be explaining so many things that will help you. But I believe you have to start with knowing that it is God's will for you to be well. Because if you don't, How are you going to believe that he heard you and that you have the petitions that we desired of you? Here's another verse that goes right along with this. And this is Jesus speaking 
over in Mark chapter 11 and in verse 24. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When do you have to believe? When you pray. And then it says, and you shall have them. The shell having them, or you could say the physical manifestation of your prayer, your answer to prayer, your healing is in the future. But you have to believe you receive when you pray. Now, it doesn't have to be the distant future. It doesn't have to be a year away or five months away. It could be a second away or five minutes away. But nonetheless, it says you have to believe that you receive when you pray and then you shall, future tense, have them. How can you believe that you receive when you pray if you aren't sure that it's God's will for you to be well? See, I think that this is a starting point. You've got to settle it in your heart that God wants you well. And you can't deviate from that. It says over in the book of James, chapter 1, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, and upbraids not, that means he's not going to rebuke you or criticize you wherever you're coming from. God understands we all have issues. But if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. He that wavers is like a wave of the sea, Driven with the wind and tossed, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So this is saying that when you ask, you have to believe that you receive. Just like Jesus said, you have to believe you receive when you pray. And then there shall be a future manifestation. So if you waver, then you're like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You have to get rid of this wavering or this doubting. You have to know that when you pray and say, Oh, Father, I receive your healing. I believe it's been provided for me. I reach out and take it. You have to believe that you receive right then. And we will be sharing this. Multiple people that will be teaching here in Healing University will share and explain these things to you in more detail. But there are reasons why you don't always see everything instantaneously. I'm not going to take the time to go back, but if you were to go back and study right here in Mark chapter 11, what occasioned Jesus' teaching on this is the fact that he spoke to a fig tree and he cursed this fig tree and he says, nobody will ever eat fruit from you again. And he just spoke to it. And did you know that instantly nothing was visible? Matter of fact, the disciples didn't say anything about it. But it was the next day when they passed this same fig tree that Peter pointed out and says, Master, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. And that's when Jesus began to teach them how this happened. And he said, you got to believe that the moment you speak, it happens. And then there shall be a future manifestation. And as you compare this with the exact same story that was told in Matthew's account, in Matthew there it says, immediately the fig tree died. And yet it wasn't visible until the next day. What was happening? It says it dried up from the roots. The moment Jesus spoke, something happened, but it wasn't visible. It was below the surface. The moment you pray and believe for a healing, you got to believe at that moment that Jesus has healed you 
and then there shall be a manifestation. But see, it happens in the spirit realm first before it manifests in the physical realm. And there can be a period of time. Again, we will be explaining this in much more detail. But I just say all of that to give this context that Jesus says you have to pray and believe that you receive when you pray and then you shall have it. If you don't believe you receive when you pray, you will not have it. And what causes you to waver about whether or not you've received it? It's because, again, most people only look in the physical realm and they look and say, for instance, if they've got a pain in their body, they pray and say, oh, Father, I ask you, I receive, I claim my healing. And then immediately they check the physical realm to see if the pain is gone, to see if the tumor is gone, or they will go to the doctor to get a test. I couldn't tell you how many times I've prayed with somebody and they had all pain in their body or something that they had lived with for many years. I pray with them and instantly their pain is gone. And I said, you're healed right now. And they'll say, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor and find out if I'm healed. They didn't believe that they received when they prayed. Now, I believed, and that's the reason that there was some physical manifestation, but see, that's wrong. You don't go to the doctor to see if you're healed. You have to believe that you receive when you pray. Now, I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor. I'm not telling you to go and get confirmation. We'll again be dealing with these things in more detail. But I am saying that this says you got to believe you receive when you pray. How can you know that you receive? You don't go by just a goosebump. You don't go by just whether all the pain is left, whether all of the symptoms are gone. You know what you have to do? You have to go by what God's Word says. What does the Word of God say about whether or not He wants you healed? And now we're beginning to get, we're going to be sharing with you hundreds, maybe thousands of scriptures on this. Let me show you this one over here in 1 John, or excuse me, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. There is a link between the way your soul prospers and the way your health is. And we're going to be dealing with that in more detail. I know that Greg Moore has actually written a book on this. And uh, this, we will be emphasizing this in more detail. But I just want to show you that it says, I wish above all things, all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It's God's will for you to be well. And there's just so many scriptures on this. I'm just hitting a few of the highlights. Over here in Matthew and chapter 8, in the first few verses, it says, And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Now this leper didn't have the benefit of the new covenant and the New Testament the way that we have. And so really it was fitting for him to say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean because it wasn't clearly revealed that this was the will of God. But when he asked, Jesus answered him saying, I will be thou clean. 
And you put this together with Romans chapter 2, verse 11, where it says, God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for another person, he will do for you. God wants you well. You can see that Jesus never refused to heal a single person. Now, I'm going to go into some detail on this. I've got some of these verses listed. I'm not sure that I'll go through all of this, but I do want to make it clear that Jesus never refused to heal a single person. And to me, this is the, the number one thing that lets me know that it is God's will to heal. Because let me just read some other verses to you. Hebrews chapter 1. And in verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And look at verse 3, it says, who being the brightness of his glory. This is speaking of Jesus. Jesus was the brightness. You could say the, the full manifestation of the glory of God and the express image of his person. This word here, express, in the Greek, it means a perfect representation. Nothing lacking. Jesus represented God the Father perfectly. The brightness of his glory, the express image of his per person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Again, we could go into much greater detail than what I'm doing right here, but this is showing you that Jesus represented God the Father perfectly. You could add to this so many things where Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. Did you know that there are a lot of denominations in the church realm today that say God wants you to be sick, that God actually puts sickness on you to break you, to humble you, or to make you better as you endure hardship, and they teach this. And they say that this is the way that God is. And yet you cannot find one example in the New Testament where Jesus ever gave somebody sickness. Where he ever says, I'm going to bless you with sickness. I've had so many people come and say, well, you know, this is my thorn in the flesh. I'll deal with this later. We'll probably, multiple of us will deal with this. But Paul's thorn in the flesh wasn't sickness. I'm not going to take time to explain that, but it makes it very clear that it wasn't sickness. It was a messenger of the devil. That word messenger there is the same word that was translated angel. It was a demonic power that buffeted him and afflicted him. Some people relate it to sickness because he says, I glory in my infirmity. And today we only use the word infirmity to refer to some type of sickness. But over in Romans chapter 8, it says not knowing how to pray as you ought is an infirmity. It says God helps our infirmities because we don't know how to pray as we ought. The word infirmity just means a lack or inadequacy. It could be a lack or inadequacy in your body, but it can be a lack or inadequacy in any area. And in context, this was the scriptures that I was quoting about Paul's thorn in the flesh is from... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you go back to chapter 11, he says, I am glorying in the things that concern my infirmities. And he listed what his infirmities were. And they were persecutions, being stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked, beaten, uh, in prison, hungry, on and on. None of it had to do with sickness. So anyway, my point is some people have misinterpreted that. We will deal with this and explain it in more detail. But... 
You can't find a single instance in Scripture where Jesus ever put sickness upon a person. And yet he says, I am the express image of my Father. I manifest him perfectly. He even told his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. In other words, Jesus did everything that the Father does. Did Jesus ever put sickness on a person? Did Jesus ever refuse to heal a person? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, let me just turn over and read this to you in Acts chapter 10. And in verse 38, this is where Peter was preaching the gospel to Cornelius. And he kind of summarized the entire life and ministry of Jesus. In Acts chapter 10 and in verse 38, he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Notice it says that it's good to heal. Again, you have entire denominations that says, you know, uh, they say, oh, God is so good. He gave me this sickness to teach me something. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus went about doing good healing. He didn't go about doing good making people sick. There's people saying this today, but that's not what the scriptures say. Jesus healed all. I think there are 14 instances I don't have those right in front of me right now to be able to go and turn all of those. But if you were to just go through the book of Matthew, I think there's 14 instances where it says Jesus healed all that were sick. Not just one or two. There are some instances where he did that. Like in John chapter 5, he only healed one man at the pool of Bethesda. In Mark chapter 8, he only healed one blind man and had to take him out of the town. There are instances where Jesus healed one or two, but there are 14 instances where Jesus healed every single person because it is God's will. And Jesus represented the Father perfectly, and he never made a person sick. He never told a person that, no, you aren't ready yet. You haven't learned your lesson yet. You need to suffer a little longer. Now, these are all things that are taught today that make people waver and become like a wave of the sea, wondering, is it God's will to heal me? If you think that way, I can guarantee you Satan is going to make you think that you are the very person that God wants to punish with sickness or that you haven't learned your lesson yet. And again, all of these denominations teach that God does this to you to perfect you, to make you better, to punish you or whatever. If you really believe that God is the one that gave you your sickness then it's absolutely inconsistent for you to go to the doctor, to take medication, to have surgery, trying to get out of God's will. Now that's foolish. And I'm certainly not advocating that you don't do things to overcome the sickness in your body. But I'm saying if you were going to be consistent, if you really believe that God wants you to be sick, well then why would you take medicine and try and get out of God's will? If God is trying to teach you something, then why do you want to take medicine to diminish the pain, to shorten the period of time? If God gave it to you, why don't you just let it run its course so that you learn your lesson completely? See, that's foolish. I'm not saying that you should do that, but I'm saying that this is foolish, the teaching that we have. And it goes back to Jesus. Jesus 
was anointed with power and with the Holy Ghost to win about doing good. It's good for you to be well. It's bad for you to be sick. This is not God's will for you. Originally, Adam and Eve did not have sickness. You know, it was because of the fall that we got the curse of, of uh, thorns and briars and sickness that animals turned on each other's. You know, all animals were herbivores, herbivores before, but then after the fall, animals started killing and eating each other. The world has changed. And sickness and disease, infections, all of these kind of things are a part of the fallen world. Adam and Eve were created without any of that. And I've actually read things where doctors say that there is no reason really that people die. The body has the ability to repair itself and to create new parts and to do things. I was just talking to a friend of mine recently that went in for an angiogram. And he had, you know, them run these things up and look at his arteries. And he had one artery that was completely blocked. But the reason he wasn't having any problem is because his body built a new artery and went around that. And I've read many times that your body is made so that it could repair itself. They don't really understand why people die, but it's because sin entered into the world and because of that, things aren't operating the way that God told, uh, made, wanted them to be originally. But then Jesus comes along in Matthew chapter 6 and he says, Pray this way, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you believe that in heaven we're going to be sick? I can show you scriptures in Revelation chapter 20 and 21 that in in heaven, there is no more sorrow, crying. There's no more pain that the leaves of the tree there of life are for the healing of the nations. In heaven, there's not going to be sickness and disease. And Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is God's will for you to be well. That's God's will for you. You've got to believe this so that you can have confidence that when you pray, I have asked according to his will, and therefore I know I have the petitions that I've desired of you. You've got to believe that you receive when you pray, and then there shall be a future manifestation if you don't become like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. As long as you believe that this is God's will, you've got to know that he wishes above all things that you be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. And so this says that God anointed Jesus with power and with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good, healing all. And in the Greek, that word there that was translated all in our English language, it means all. He healed all that were oppressed of the devil. Notice they were oppressed of the devil. It wasn't oppressed of God. You've got to get rid of this thinking that God has either caused the sickness or permitted it. Now, that's a huge jump I just made right there because there's a lot of people who will say, well, God doesn't cause sickness, but he allows it. We will be dealing with this in more detail as we continue to go through this, but it's not God that allows it. It's us that allows it. You know, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been to a funeral and people will say things like, well, it was their time. 
as if God has a calendar in heaven with your name on it and he just circles a day and there's a time that your time's up and that you're going to die and you're going to leave this earth. That's inconsistent with what the Bible says. In Psalms chapter 90, it says that the days of a man's life shall be threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength, they be fourscore. That right there shows you that 70 years isn't a maximum, and it's not just a day circled on a calendar. You can extend your life by being healthy and doing things. No, God, your, your number isn't just up. God doesn't just call you home. God's not the one who caused sickness and death. And yet most people assume, well, you know, that person couldn't have died if it wasn't God's will. That's not true. There's all kinds of people that die outside of God's will. Again, I go back to those verses where it says that you've been allotted 70 years and even 80 years if you're strong and if you're healthy. And so God allotted you this long life. And yet we know that there's people that die young. There's people that die at mid-age, all kinds of things. You can have a wreck. You could have somebody come up and kill you. There's all kinds of things that affect your length of life. God is not the one who controls death. Matter of fact, it says over in Hebrews chapter 2. Let me see if I can find this exact verse. I think it's uh, verse 14. But in Hebrews chapter 2 and in verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. How clear can you make it? The devil is the one that has the power of the death. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10. And he is the one that has the power of death. Satan is the one that can put sickness on you, as it says in Acts 10, 38, that he delivered all of those who were oppressed of the devil. God is not the one who's putting sickness on you. You've got to know this because one of the clearest passages in the New Testament, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That shows you that there are things that are from God and things that are from the devil. You submit to what's from God and you resist the devil. If Satan can ever get you to think that God put this sickness on you, then you won't fight against it. You won't resist. The word resist means to actively fight against. If you fight against your sickness, thinking that God is the one who gave it to you or allowed it to be on you, well, then you would be fighting against God. So Satan, it says in the scriptures that he loves to transform himself into an angel of light. Satan loves to make you think that it's God's will, that he put this sickness on you as punishment. He put it upon you to make you holier or to teach you something or to break you. No, God did not do that. Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. You've got to know that sickness is not from God. It is from the devil. Satan did it to steal, kill, and to destroy you know, here's another passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 28. 
verses 1 through 14 list the blessings that will come upon you if you keep the law. Verses 15 through 68 list all of the curses that will come upon you. Now, this needs to be interpreted in the light of the New Testament. Because it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. So Jesus became a curse for us and redeemed us from the curse. So I can say that Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through 68, the curses that came for not living a holy life. I have now been redeemed from these curses through Jesus. So even though I may not do everything that I should, God is not going to curse me because Jesus redeemed me from the curse. And so I am not going to have the curses of Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. And I can now experience the blessings not because I do everything right, but because Jesus lived a holy life. Now I get all of his righteousness credited towards me and I receive the blessing even though I still don't do everything right. That's huge. So I say all of this to say that verses 1 through 14 list the blessings that come upon you if you are receiving through Jesus. Let me just read some of these in Deuteronomy 28 verse 3. Blessed shalt thou be in the city Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. That's talking about prosperity financially. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and they shall flee before these seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep his commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hands. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Thou shalt be above only and shall not be beneath if you hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which we get this not because we've kept the commandments, but because Jesus kept it and gave us his righteousness. So those are the blessings. And I haven't got time to read from verse 15 through 68, but it lists in here sickness, the botch, mildew, emrods, and it even says over here in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it says in verse 60, remember that this is what will happen if you come under the curse. Now, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse, so now you can say anything that is listed here as a curse, you are guaranteed that this will not happen to you. Or you can guarantee it this way, that God 
will not do this to you. Now, Satan will try and bring these things in your life, but it's not God who causes this. So look at some of the things that he said in verse 60. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them shall the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Now, again, because of Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So he is not going to hit me with sickness and disease. But here's the reason I bring all of this out. Some people say, well, this sickness was actually a blessing from the Lord. I just read to you all of the blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 28. And sickness wasn't a blessing. Matter of fact, health was a blessing. And I just read to you some of the curses. Sickness is a curse. It is not a blessing. You know, it's just like if I had a huge blackboard or whiteboard behind me, and if I drew a line right down the center of it, and if I said over on the left-hand side, here are the blessings, health, prosperity, victory, joy, peace, your family being blessed, your animals being blessed, your ground being blessed. These are what God calls a blessing. And then over on the other side, sickness, disease, and it says every sickness, every disease, even things that aren't written here, them are will the Lord bring upon you as a curse. So here is the Bible defining what is a blessing, and that's health, and a curse, which is sickness. Now you've got religion saying, oh no, this sickness is actually a blessing from the Lord in disguise. I've heard people talk about that they weren't seeking the Lord and then they had some traumatic thing happen, a sickness, a paralysis, or something like this, and they say this is actually a blessing from the Lord. No, it's not. Now, am I saying that you can't learn something? What happens is a lot of people don't give God the time of day. They're doing their own thing. And then when they experience tragedy, cancer hits them, ALS, something else, all of a sudden they realize that, man, all of this other stuff I was doing wasn't important. I need God. They turn to God and their life turns around. And they now become into a relationship with God that is just awesome. And there is so much benefit from that that they say, well, this was actually a blessing from God. No, God didn't cause that sickness or disease. But God could work it together for good. That doesn't mean that God caused it. You know, I've got a friend of mine that his wife used to work for me. And I was with his wife when she died. And I prayed over her. And anyway, she died. And after she died, this man just, he was so brokenhearted that his life was basically over. And it was like he either had to dig another hole and crawl in next to his wife and just die or he needed to go on with life. And so he called out to God and God revealed himself to this man. And this man now is so happy. He says, my life is better than it has ever been. So you could say that since he lost his wife, that that has worked out for good. He now is loving God. But are you going to blame God for killing his wife? No, I just showed you over in Rome, uh, Hebrews 2.14. Satan is the one who goes about and kills. He's the one that has the power of death. God didn't cause the death, but because this man turned to the Lord, now his relationship with God is better than it's ever been. You know, I had a situation where my oldest son, Joshua, 
when he was just one year old, he was helping me load lumber on a really hot day in Texas. And we were in a lumber yard that had a dirt thing. It wasn't paid. And he was running around. He had gotten sweaty. And then it came afternoon and he wanted to take a nap. So he started to lay down in the dirt with sweat on him. And I knew that Jamie wouldn't have liked this. So I rolled the windows down on this semi and the, the window was way over my head. And I put him in the cab of the truck where he could lay down and take a nap. Well, he had been wanting to get into that truck all day long. And when he got in there, he revived. And he started looking around and leaning out the window and looking in the rear view mirror, the side mirror and waving at me. And I went up and told him, I said, Joshua, you lay down and go to sleep. I told him a couple of times. Finally, I spanked him because I knew he could have gotten hurt. And I told him, you got to lay down and go to sleep. Well, he disobeyed me. He leaned out. He fell out of the cab of that truck, hit his eye on the running board and landed on his head on the ground. And he started crying. So I went up and got him, hugged him, calmed him down. And as soon as he calmed down and would listen, I said, Joshua, this is what I was telling you. If you would have obeyed me, this wouldn't have happened. So I took a bad situation. I didn't cause that situation. I did everything I could to keep it from happening. But I took that bad situation and taught my son a lesson, told him to go back and lay down. He laid down, went to sleep. Now, if he would have been like most Christians, he would have gone out and he says, my dad is such a wonderful dad that he pushed me out of the cab of this truck. I landed, hit my eye on the running board, landed on my head. I nearly broke my neck. And he did this to teach me a lesson. No, I didn't do that. I did everything within my power to keep him from falling out. But after he made a mess because of his own disobedience, I still used it and taught him something. Did you know that God will do that with us? That if you aren't seeking God and if you wait until you become a quadriplegic and finally you're laying flat on your back and the only way you can look is up and you say, oh God, I need you. And he reveals himself and all of a sudden your relationship with God just blossoms. God will use it and you could say, well, this was a blessing. But don't blame God for making you quadriplegic. Don't blame God for giving you the sickness and disease. God wants you well. I've got a lot more to share on this, but we're out of time today. You know, I want to pray with you. And not only right now, but healing in many cases is a process. It doesn't have to be that way, but it is with most people because we're so full of wrong thinking and wrong believing. And I believe that by you starting Healing University, that you have begun a process and, you know, you could get healed by somebody just waving their hand over you, but you can get healed by the Word of God coming to you. And this is what's going to happen through this healing university. We are going to be sharing God's Word. And it says in Psalms 107:20, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. You are receiving the Word. And I just want to pray that you get the maximum benefit from this. So, Father, right now, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are starting this healing university. Father, thank you. I believe that this is you that drew them to this. And, Father, I know that there's people that have tremendous needs. There may be life and death. There may be people that if this doesn't work for them, that the doctors have given up hope. But, Father, I thank you that nothing is impossible to you. 
I thank you that regardless of how long they've had something, how many times they've asked other people to pray, I know that all things are possible. I know that you want these people well. I believe that. And so we act on the scriptures that I've talked about today. We believe that when we pray, we receive right now, and then we shall see the future manifestation. Right now, Father, we receive this truth that it is your will for us to be well. We receive it. And Father, I believe that right now in their heart, faith is rising up. That you want them well more than they want to be well. Father, I believe that you died to purchase this for them. Thank you that Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And Father, I know that these people watching today, that you want them well. And I believe that you are healing every single one of them. I thank you for hope rising right now, for faith rising up in their heart. And I believe that this begins the process. And Father, they are going to receive this truth and that they will let your healing power flow through the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 4, the Word is health unto all of your flesh and life unto those that find it. Father, I speak forth this word and I speak healing into these bodies right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that it is your will that we be well and we receive it. Amen. Andrew doesn't sugarcoat it at all. Any questions? Did you hear something maybe that was new? Something you hadn't heard before? It helps. Yes or no? I mean, yeah. 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 It I mean, helps to answer questions. People say, people are always telling me, well, God caused this or God did that. Or God. And, you know, that is a good way of, of answering them. No, this wasn't God. This had nothing to do with God. Um, and I think a lot of times, well-intentioned people just oh, yeah. really, you know, they're not they're not bad people. They just maybe maybe they haven't heard the truth. Maybe they haven't, you know, known that, you know, to say, you know, God calls this sickness. <laughs> they they just. You know, it's a cop out. Sometimes it's it's easier to blame God than it's what they've heard all their lives. Yeah, that's what they've heard, and it's just that's just they get caught in that vein, and they just well, it's know. not taught in churches. Sometimes it's not. Yes. Stop this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. I'll say this. One of the things that I um, I thought. You know, and, and I love, I mean, I've been listening mm-hmm. to Andrew Womack for, yeah. you know, about 12 uh, yeah. years now. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing that I love about the way he, he puts this is, you know, if God, if, if Jesus went around and he healed all that was uh, sick and that was oppressed to the devil, then, then that should take the doubt out of any, anybody saying, hey, I... I don't know if God wants me well. You know, I know I've been living with this issue for a long, long time. And I think that's a, a, a big problem with people is that 
they get comfortable. It's, it's like the familiar spirits, right? It's like this is something that is comfortable for me. I, I know my sickness. And I think this gives the opportunity for people to say, you know what, I'm going to rethink, does God want me well? Right. You know, even though I've, I've coped with it, I have, I have gotten used to this. You know, I've had people tell me, well, I'm just used to dealing with this. Yeah. And it's I'm because it. it's, I'm managing it. It's yeah. just, it's hard for them to see mm-hmm. themselves well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not, I don't, I don't know if God wants me well or not. I'm just not going to think about it. Yeah. This right here pushes us into that perspective of saying, does God want me well? Maybe I haven't thought about that in a while. That's good. That's good. That's a good point. Yeah, some of the points to ponder um, that's on the worksheets. It says, um, let's see, where did I see that a minute ago? Uh, he, he makes a statement. He says, You submit to what's from God and you resist what's from the devil. Of course, we know John 10 10. You know, we know who the bad stuff comes from, the enemy. It comes from when Adam sinned, when, you know. Sin entered into the world, it brought all this, the sin, sickness, death, all of that. Why would God use something that he took care of? You know, why would he try to use sickness to teach us a lesson or to teach us anything? Because that's not. The Bible tells us we have the Holy Spirit as our teacher. You know, he's given us the word to teach us. He's given us the fivefold ministry to teach us. He's given, you know... So when we really break it down, we start thinking, well, that what I've been believing really don't make sense. And so that, for me, that's how it was. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that don't really make sense when I think about it, when I look at it from that perspective. But just um, knowing that, you know, good God, bad devil. Good God, bad devil. Some comes into your life that's good. It's from God. Some comes into your life that's not so good. <laughs> Just, it, it's not always the enemy. Sometimes it seems we bad choices we've made, but it's still God's will has always been throughout the scriptures to heal His people, His That's children. Right. The Word says it's the children's bread. I mean, you know, and and we think about it as parents. Those of us that have children, I mean, what parent doesn't want the best? life ever for their children you know and when we know how much our God our Father loves us you know it's not, he's not going he's not out to get us <laughs> yeah um so anyway anything else y'all want to talk about we can take a break if y'all need to go to the restroom um yeah the, and, and I love what he brought out about the fact that Jesus never turned down anybody. He never went through their list of issues. He never went through, you know, well, God's trying to, I thought I was trying to teach you something here, so we need to suffer a little longer with this, you know, or come back tomorrow or whatever. He healed. And he said, sometimes he healed them all. You know, and he, he, I, he did mention, and he never did finish it out, where he talked about, um, there was a couple of times that only one or two got healed. 
But the scriptures actually show that that was because the rest of them didn't believe for it. Right. You know? So, that's... Our, our believing has a big part to do, as well as what he's provided through Jesus. What calls it their unbelief? Unbelief. Yeah, right. unbelief will stop it. That's the only thing that will stop it, because it's already been provided for. So, that's all I have on this lesson. If y'all want to take a break and go to the restroom and get water... Um, I think Heather said she made coffee. Well, I didn't make it. There's a Keurig and there's oh, water in okay. it, so there's coffee. And